You're listening to the official podcast of Asbury University, produced by students with God-honoring conversations that inform, edify, and encourage. This is Asbury. We explore culture and current topics through a Christian worldview, promoting a well-balanced life, and we empower our community to belong, become, and be set apart. I'm your host, Abby Lobb. Welcome to This is Asbury. Welcome to the show. I'm here today with someone who many of you probably recognize from the outpouring in February that happened here at Asbury. She was humbly serving alongside our students and pastoral staff and all the volunteers here at Asbury throughout those couple weeks. Her name is Jeannie Banter. Welcome, Jeannie. Hi, thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> so Jeannie is a veteran at Asbury, a graduate, third generation Asbury third generation, student. Yes. Yeah. Coming on your 10th year, working on staff here as the director of the Christian Life Project. So welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what you do here at Asbury, Jeannie. Yeah. Well, I think I have the best job on campus because I get to take students on biblical worldview retreats to places like the beach and the mountains and just share the love of Jesus with them, tell them about who God is, how they can find their story and God's story in beautiful places. I have the best job on campus. Well, I think that's so great because Asbury, while most of our students are, are Christians, a lot of students here really are still either baby Christians or they're still just really learning a lot about their faith or growing or some come to Asbury and they maybe don't even know Jesus yet and they do thankfully encounter him here. So just just tell me in a nutshell, why is it so important for these students? Sure. We've just kind of seen it in culture as we looked at what's happening within our culture that a lot of our students are coming in with less biblical knowledge than we would like for them to have. No fault of their own. I mean, just even in the trends of churches going away from Sunday school and other programs that would typically immerse them in Mm -hmm. scripture so that they were coming in knowing, had knowledge a little bit about who God is, but not having experience who Mm -hmm. God is. And so wanting to get them away from campus, away from their normal routines, because God's always the same wherever we are, but our ability to pay attention to what he's doing and listen is different when we get out of structure and routine. And so to get them away and then really just immerse them in the story of God, like who is God? How do you find your story and God's story? And then how do you begin to live out your story to get them off campus in a different space to begin to think about who God is in a different way and then not just know him, but experience the love of God. Well, that's great. And I'm sure you guys have a lot of fun, too, with all these kids, getting them together. How many have you done so far, first of all? So we've done four. Okay. Um, we did our first pilot retreat. We yeah. did three last year, and then we're scheduled for four this next coming great. year. Great. Yeah. What have been some of the highlights? For me, it never gets old seeing the light bulb come on for students when they realize actually who God is and that He is a God who loves them, is pursuing them, can redeem them, restore them, forgive them, and that they can live a different life, that He is making all things new, as it says in Scripture. To see them encounter Christ in that way, it will never get old. And so that that happens time and time again on these retreats. And then one night, specifically the second night, we always focus on what are the lies that the enemy has woven into your story that compete against the identity of who Christ says mm, you are. That's good. And to watch the walls come down as they realize, oh, this isn't the truth of who I am. And to really step from lies into the truth that they are chosen, that they are holy in his sight, that they are loved, that they are forgiven. And for them to begin to live into that new identity, it changes everything. Mm. When you know that God loves you and that he came for you and that he saved you and forgives you, that you can be a different person, that you don't have to be bound by everything that the culture says you are or everything that the enemy has said well, you're not wanted, you're not loved, you're not chosen, you're not forgiven. 
When you can move from those places of lies into the truth of who God is and who you are in Him, that'll change your life. And it is. We're seeing that time and time again. And this is a fun memory is when we're at the beach, we have sunset worship. And so we were worshiping one night and there's a wedding taking place down the beach <laughs> and they invite us to come and sing at their oh, wedding. Nice. So we're, I mean, it's just the most beautiful moment of worshiping God. And we, we had no idea this was happening. And they just saw us worshiping and asked us to come be a choir at their wedding. So that is to sing cool over them was just... I mean, just the beauty of like God. And at sunset, yes, of course. I mean, it's, you can't make that stuff up, but that's cool. To be able to worship him and then worship at a wedding is just so symbolic of the new thing that he's doing in someone, so many Absolutely. of us. Absolutely. Yes. It's it's hard because, you know, you talk about the phrase being set apart. That's something we talk about a lot here at Asbury. We want our students, our staff, everyone to, to really understand what that means. So for you, is there a line or how do you describe to students what does it mean to be set apart while also being present in your community and your job? Wherever God has placed you, how do you reconcile being set apart in that community? One of my favorite definitions came from a pastor I heard a year ago. His name's Todd Eckhart. Mm-hmm. And he said, to be set apart means to be exclusively mm-hmm. his. And I love that mm-hmm. because that's what we want our students to live under, that it is their life, but their life is not their own. Like they are exclusively God's and everything in them, their desires, their hopes, their plans, their dreams is under his authority and his love. And when we do that, then that brings us back into community. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we're set apart because he has chosen us and he has said, you're mine. But that always brings us back into community. And I think I heard our university pastor, Greg Hasselhoff, say his holiness sets us apart, but it's his love that brings us Mm. back in. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. Like we love because he first loved us. So yes, we are set apart. We are exclusively his so he can lead and guide us and direct us however he wants us. And yes, our lives do look different because he's making us different. But that difference doesn't separate us from community. It brings us right back into the heart of who he is, which is a communal God. He's a triune God. He is communal. And if you look at the life of Jesus, he's always going into the places of the margins. He's always going to the people that say, we're the outcasts, we're on we're the outside. That's the heart of God. So we're like, yes, we're set apart because we are exclusively His and His love, but that always drives us back into the places where the heart of God is, and that's to the places of the margins. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. Is it harder for Gen Z to find that identity in Christ as set apart and implement it into daily life? Yeah, I don't know if it's harder. I mean, mm-hmm. I would say all of us have faced yes. that. I mean, the enemy, the enemy doesn't change, right? <laughs> yeah, so, he just has new tactics. <laughs> yes, he, he's not crafty, but he's weaving the same story. I mean, even we see in the garden, like, did God really say that? And so it's always that question of, man, God's holding out on us. Mm. And I feel like that's what we see generation after generation of, well, if God doesn't have my best, then Mm. I must, he must not love me. He must not be good enough. Mm. He must not X, Y, or Z. And so we begin to find that in other places. Well, if God's not going to look out for me, then let me find it here. And that never satisfies. And we we know that, like I can articulate to you, I know this is not going to satisfy me, but yet that's still what we choose. And yeah. so I, I don't know if it's harder. It just looks different these days. Yeah. Right? And so point. that's why we start the first day of retreat and we walk through Genesis to Revelation. Like what is the story of God? Because when we know the story of God, then we can begin to find our place within his story instead of us trying to find, well, maybe I can put him into my story. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't work out well. Yeah. I've tried that. It doesn't work. <laughs> we all have. <laughs> but when I find like, man, God is writing a story and it's a story of good. It's a story of redemption. And our fallenness was never his plan. Then we can begin to place things in the right perspective, in the right order under who God is, not this is my version of who, who mm-hmm. I think God is. Mm-hmm. Are there certain ways that you challenge them? Like, hey, I want to challenge you to do X, Y, Z. This is a, a building block retreat mm-hmm. because everything else that we do at Asbury, 
leaps and stems off of this. So okay. this is not just, we don't look at it as a standalone retreat of we're going to accomplish all of this in one retreat. But this is giving them the basic foundations of, okay, how do I begin to live this out? And then we complement it with everything that we do at Asbury. Mm-hmm. So chapel, classrooms, gather, mentoring, small groups, everything builds upon what they're learning at these retreats. And that's why it's beautiful that it's a part of who we are, because it's not just one thing, but everything we do points back mm-hmm. to who is God? How do I find my story in God's story? And how do I live this out? Belonging, becoming set apart. That's yeah. it. So when they come back from Set Apart Retreat, you're going to tell them, hey, I really want to encourage you to get plugged in here, to do this, to find ways to continue to grow and be mentored. Absolutely. So we actually take time on retreat to go over. These are all the opportunities that Mm -hmm. you have on campus. So before you ever set foot back on campus, Mm -hmm. you have an idea and we help them to think through, how do you want to get plugged in? How do you want to go further? And one of the cool things is that we actually take six faculty and staff members on every retreat. Mm -hmm. So we have a one to seven faculty staff ratio because we want them to have people on campus Mm -hmm. that they know at a deeper level to say, hey, when I'm having questions, when I'm having doubts, when I'm not sure where to go, you have six faculty and staff members you can go to that we're on retreat with you. Yeah. That you just know in a different way. And we keep an open tab at the Hiccup for the next semester. Oh, that's cool. So they can take any of those faculty and staff members to coffee at no cost to either one of them to say, hey, I have some more questions. I want to keep growing. So it's, it's just an incredible gift. That's amazing. Well, this was all made possible because of a gift (laughs) by alumni who just really understood this need, just the changing nature of how we do church, the family structure, all these things. There's so many dynamics that play into this. This is donor funded. I think that's really important for people to note that this was something that came from someone who went through Asbury and they they came back, you know, 15 years later and said, I really want to support this for these, these future students. I love that, that mentality of, you know, alumni or friends or whoever identifying this need and just saying, this is how I'm going to step up. So is there any way that you want to challenge listeners to support the retreat? Yeah, that's a great question. There's a couple of different ways for people to be involved. One is a prayer team. Every student who goes on a retreat gets prayed for by name. And that's important to us before, during, and after retreat. And we had a student say, you know, Jeannie, I've never had someone pray for me by name before. Mm -hmm. And that broke my heart because I I honestly can't even imagine that. But what a gift to be able to offer the student say, you know what, people you don't even know, alumni and friends from around the world are quite literally praying for you right now. And the success that we have seen on these retreats, I credit to the prayers of the people. God has just been so invited, right? Invited to these places by myself and and so many others. So yes, prayer team support. And then financially, yes, we're looking to raise the endowment because the beautiful thing about these retreats is that they are at no cost to our students. We don't want anything to get in the way of them not being able to attend one of these retreats. And so when we say to our students, you have the opportunity to go to Colorado or Florida at no cost. I mean, the relief that just comes over their shoulders because they're hearing about these retreats and and they're thinking, I could never afford that. But then when we say, and it's no cost to you, just (laughs) the joy that comes comes over them and for them to experience Christ the way that we've seen on these retreats. Again, we'll never get old, but then to also say, and because people are investing in you prayerfully and financially, like they are investing in you because they believe what God can do in and through your life. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it's just a real, it's it's like a vote That's for right. this yes, next absolutely. generation. Like you can vote with your prayers, with your dollars, That's whatever right. it is. Yeah. And then planning these retreats. I would love to hear your thought process with how these are put together and, and what that looks like. As we were designing the retreats, we knew that story wanted to be our theme. What is the story of God? How do you find your story in God's story? And then how do you live out the story? 
that curriculum doesn't necessarily change between the retreats, the speakers do. And so that's a prayerful discernment process, bringing names before God, bringing them before my boss and supervisors and saying, okay, what do you think about this? And it's, it's so incredible, like just the kindness and goodness of God of how he puts every retreat together, like the right speakers with the right students, mm-hmm. with the right faculty and staff. I couldn't design it if I tried with a prayerful discernment process of, okay, God, this retreat's yours. This is not mine. These speakers are yours. These students are yours. These Everything is yours. Like I'm set apart. I'm exclusively his. This retreat is exclusively yours. How would you like to design it? How would you like to host this retreat? And so really just giving him permission. And like, we don't give students a schedule. It's scheduled and intentional, but... But because we want space if God takes us a different direction. And that mm-hmm. has happened sometimes. Okay. So like, okay, well, we thought this was going to be a one one hour session. And three hours later, yeah. because God's moving. And after that three hour session, the students were like, that was only 30 minutes, right? Mm. I'm like, it's 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> but again, in his presence, time doesn't make sense. And so he has permission. Yes, we're very intentional. We're very quote unquote scheduled, but it's his. And then every afternoon we have free time, but we also borrowed from Summit Ministries out in Colorado who we partner with, a thing that they call front porch time. And so every afternoon, two of us faculty and staff members or the speakers are available for students all afternoon. And so the first day they're kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to talk to yeah. you. But by the second and third day, as we've kind of gotten to content and as the Lord's moving, sometimes we don't get a break because because they're there asking questions and wrestling with, okay, well, what does this mean? And how do I actually live this out? And is this actually possible? Which we are a wrestling community. We want them to wrestle in community because when they do it alone, the enemy wins. Well, we could talk about this all day we could, yes. for hours, but is there anything else that you want listeners to really take away? I've been reading research the last year and a half since we've had this, and a lot of it has come out of the, the Cultural Research Center out of Arizona Christian University, and it's George Barnett. And the most recent research came out that an adult's under the age of 30, only 1% have a biblical worldview. Only 1%. I'm not okay with that. No. I'm not Mm -hmm. okay with that. I'm not okay with just 1% of our students having a biblical Mm -hmm. worldview. Not just for Asbury, but wherever you are in your church, in your family, like how are you prayerfully considering and helping cultivate students to have a biblical worldview? I think as that happens, and that number jumps from one to two, and two to four, and four to six, that'll change our culture. That that number has really wrecked me as I think Mm. about 1%. Like, that that's heartbreaking and that's not on them right that's on us how are we leading them showing them guiding them teaching them living a life that's so mm-hmm. compelling that they want something different mm-hmm. so that's just been challenging again for me and this is like this is why we do what we do here at Asbury this is why we do set apart retreats because we want them to know who God is and if you don't know who he is if you don't know the story of God how can you ever begin to cultivate a framework or a worldview that is biblical. If you had a student in front of you right now and students who are listening, give them a word of encouragement in closing. He makes all things new. He makes all things new. And I think that that's the beauty of who God is. No matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, he wants to be invited into the middle of that place. And he wants to say, I am making this new. I am making you new. I'm making your identity new. I'm making your past new. I'm making your trauma new. I'm making your mental illness new. I'm making all things new. Will it look like what I think it will? Probably not, but he's a good God. He is faithful and we can trust him. I think that's a perfect place to close. Thank you so much for being with us, Jeannie. Appreciate you. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of This is Asbury. To learn more about Asbury University, visit asbury.edu. 